In October of 1805, Lewis and Clark reached, had just crossed the Rocky Mountains. They reached the Columbia, uh, excuse me, yeah, uh, think there, Columbia River. They started uh, making them some dugouts, and in keeping with our theme, they took those dugouts and they put them in the river and got wet. Okay? As they went, it says that the Native Americans came out to watch them, and uh, they came out to said to watch the crazy white men drown as they went down the river rapids there. So, uh, uh, but it, this adventure all began a little bit earlier in 1805. Earlier than this, President Thomas Jefferson asked a man by the name of Meriwether Lewis if he would go on this great expedition and explore the western part of our continent. wasn't part of the United States as of yet. Uh, Lewis had been a private secretary for President Jefferson and uh, had actually grown up next door to him. Lewis accepted the challenge, but went, before he went on this trip, before he ever crossed any of these rivers, before he crossed the Rocky Mountains, before he got in these, these dugout canoes and headed down the Columbia River here, um, before he did that, he said, you know, I need someone to go along with me. And so he found a man by the name of William Clark who would be his traveling companion with him along with a, a special team that they put together. But he said, this would, be the greatest, this would be the right guy to go down the river with me. This would be the, gr- the right guy to go on this western adventure. I need a traveling companion. And so he picked Clark. It took Clark a while to answer him. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but he almost gave up waiting on Clark's answer. And he almost asked another man, I can't remember the guy's first name, his last name was Hook, but if, if Clark had never answered, I guess we'd be talking about Lewis and Hook instead of Lewis and Clark, right? Doesn't quite sound, have the same ring to it, does it? But uh, they took off on this great journey. They traveled over 8,000 miles. It took them 28 months before they finally got back. They identified over 300 uh, new species of animals and plants they had not found before, drew great mounts and found uh, all their, their way all the way to the Pacific Ocean. But, you know, Meriwether Lewis didn't do it alone. He needed someone to go with him. And, you know, we all need traveling companions. And these two guys changed history by what they did on their trip. Uh, like, like I said, new mounts and new species and new information they had gathered together. And, of course, we all know they came up with a great uh, outdoor store as well, all this through this journey together, okay? You know, it's important that we all travel somewhere, we go somewhere, we do things, that we do it not alone, but with someone else. We all need traveling companions, don't we? Whether it's just for company, whether it's for safety, whether it's for help, whatever it may be, we need traveling companions to go with us. I was asked by Brother Mike to fill in today while he's on vacation, and normally he just says, fill in and, uh, and whatever you, the Lord leads you. This time he says, and I want you to preach on this topic. That always makes it a little tougher, you know. So uh, he wanted me to continue in this theme of getting wet with the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want us to kind of look at the Holy Spirit in that light today as the Holy Spirit is our traveling companion as we go on a great journey through life. And we're going to look in the passages from John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And no, we're not going to look at every single verse in there because it'd take more than, than just today to do that. But I just want to hit some highlights of what Jesus says, because several times in those three chapters, Jesus talks about the, the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in those chapters. And so we're going to be looking at, at those three chapters there. All right, uh, just a little background here. Um, 
This is the final night that Jesus is with his disciples before his arrest and all these things. And he's washed their feet and taught them that lesson about servanthood. And now they're sitting together and he's teaching them about what is to come. He's warning them about some things to come. He's letting them know that his time is short. He's letting them know that they are about to embark on an incredible journey. Uh, A journey maybe even more incredible than Lewis and Clark's uh, trip across the United States here. An incredible journey that they're about to embark on, and, and he gives them some highlights. We're going to look at some of those highlights here. So let's start by just talking about the journey that these guys were about to take. Because the journey they're about to take really relates to the journey that we take uh, as we walk with Christ as well. Uh, a few things about the journey. First of all, this journey was a time for them to be true to their calling. Right? You remember Jesus had come a few years earlier than this, and he had met with these guys. He had picked them out. Uh, as they were uh, fishing along the sea, as they were uh, ta- collecting taxes, as they were going about their everyday life, Jesus came. And you remember what he called them to do in Mark chapter 1 and verse 17? He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what their calling was. He said, I want you to come and follow me because I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to reach the world with me. And so for the last three years, they've been spending time together. Uh, and up to this point... Jesus has been pouring his life into these guys. He's been teaching them. He's been showing them by example. He's been pouring his life into them. But, you know, up to this point, he's been pretty much doing most of the ministry. They've just been along for the ride. Now, they've been doing some things along the way, but pretty much it's been watching Jesus. Okay? Now, that sounds like a great ministry. We would all like to get on that ministry where we just sit around and watch Jesus do things. Huh? That would be all right. Jesus comes along and says, you know, up to this point, you've been kind of watching me. You've been, I've been kind of doing the ministry. You've been going along. You've been doing a few things here. But it's time for you to step up now. It's time for you to step up to the plate. It's time for you to take the reins. It's time for you to take over because it's time for me to leave. It's time for you on this journey to continue on and fulfill the calling that I've called you to do. It was also a time of testing as well. Um, Wow, was it going to be a time of testing? And Jesus was warning them about that. Here's some things that is to come. He said, it's going to be a time to test your obedience. Look at John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. It says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So as he teaches them, he's talking about obedience is important. We're com- you're coming to a time where we're, we're going to see if you're going to step up in obedience. Are you uh, truly belong to me? Are you going to step forth and be obedient to the calling that I've given you? He also, as he talks about this time of testing, he says, oh, by the way, this, it's going to be pretty hard testing. There's going to be a time of persecution too. Look at chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. I'm leaving. Times are going to get tough. It's going to be a time of testing, testing your obedience, testing how strong you are in the midst of persecution. It's coming. And if you even go back into chapter 13, he's warned them about uh, one of you is going to deny me and one of you is going to um, actually turn against me and turn me in. And, you know, all of these things are coming. It's going to be a time of testing coming on. And third thing he said was, it's a time for you to do your own ministry. 
It's time for you to do the ministry now. In uh, chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says this, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Okay? So think about what he's telling these guys here. He says, it's time for you to step up to the plate and, and, and take over the ministry. It's time for you to show your obedience. It's time for you to face persecution. And it's time for you to do all of that with me gone. Okay? Now it sounds like Jesus is trying to discourage them, doesn't it? It sounds like Jesus is trying to bash them over the head with bad news. Uh, but actually, Jesus is trying to encourage them all this. But he does want them to understand what the truth is and what is to come. He wants them to understand the, the, the realities of what kind of journey this is. I don't think President Jefferson pulled uh, Meriwether Lewis aside and, and told him what a wonderful trip it was going to be. Like, oh, it's going to be like a cruise, man. You won't believe how good this is going to be. I don't think Lewis went off thinking that. He probably said, this may be an incredible journey. You may not come back from this trip. But I'm sending you out to do it. Are you willing to do it? And Lewis stepped up and said that. Jesus comes along and says, you know, it's an incredible journey, but it's going to be a tough one. It's a time of testing, but it's time for you to do the ministry. And so Jesus encourages them in a couple of ways here. Uh, a couple of important promises he gives to two words of encouragement to give them. First thing, Jesus promised he's going to come again. Okay? That was the first big promise that he gave them. Uh, that would have been in chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you will be where I am. Pretty good promise, okay? I'm going away. You're going on this journey. It's a tough journey. It's a, and all of that. But don't worry. I am coming back, okay? So he, he started with that promise of coming back to them. But he gave an, another promise as well, and this is the one I want to focus on this morning. And that was he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit as well. He promised he would send the Holy Spirit. Look in uh, chapter 14, verse 16. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Counselor here, as we'll look, we'll look at, refers to the Holy Spirit. It's all right. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. But I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. I'm not sending you on that journey alone. I'm sending someone to go with you. The Holy Spirit has come to be your traveling companion as you carry on this, this journey that I've called you, as you go on this mission that I've called you to. Jesus says, I can't stay with you, but I'll send the Holy Spirit to be there with you. And listen to this. Look at verse 14 and verse 12, or chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Not only am I I'm going away, and it's a tough trip, and all that that I'm leaving you with, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and as He comes, you're going to be able to do greater things than I have even done. Wow, what a great promise. The Holy Spirit's coming to help you accomplish things, more things than I was even able to do. That's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? That we could accomplish something, things that Jesus couldn't accomplish, that we could go more and do more than he did. Is that really true? Yes, it is. It's only, but only within the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is sent to come. He says, I'm sending him to come and to help you on this journey to be your traveling companion. Okay? Now let's take a little bit more look at this trip, this journey that they're going on. 
Because, you know, if you're going on a journey, if you're going on a trip, you need to know where you're going, right? You need to have a goal of where you're going. So, you know, just as Lewis and Clark set out, they had, they had a, an objective, a goal of what, what they wanted to accomplish, where they wanted to go. They wanted to go as far as they could and find the Pacific Ocean. Do you know what their number one goal was? Their number one goal was to see if they could find a water route all the way uh, from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean. Now, they were unable to find that, but they, they found a route, but not a complete water route. But they did discover many things along the way, okay? They needed to know where they were going. They needed to know. They didn't know exactly how to get there, but they knew what their objective was. We're going to see, if at all possible, if we can find this water route to the Pacific Ocean. Can we find our way there? That's all they knew. They didn't know anything else about what was out there, and they took off on their journey. Sometimes we may be like that. Sometimes we may not know how we're going to get there, but we need to know what the goal is and where it is we're trying to get. Okay? So let's look at the goal for that Jesus laid out for his disciples to carry on and for us today to carry on as well. What is our goal, and how does the Holy Spirit help us to get there? Okay? All right. Here's a key word. I want you to look at, uh, let's let me go to John 14, 12 again. Did we have that? Can we get that one back up? Or you can look in your Bible there again. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I don't want 14, 12. I want 14, 16. I'm sorry, guys. I told you I'd mess you up somewhere today. 14, 16. Okay? There's a key word in 14.16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. He says, Another is coming. And that's an extremely important word there, that word another. The word another means another of the exact same kind. Okay? Now, let me give you an illustration to show you what I mean, another of the exact same kind. Okay? Now, Reggie, I'm going to be doing an advertisement for you this morning. Uh, fireworks season starting up here soon. Those of you who know me know I work in the fireworks business with my friend Reggie back here. Uh, Rainbow Curve there, right there, and then he'll come right there. We'll uh, we be opening on June the 20th, okay? So don't come on July 4th. It's too busy. Come early and get the deal, you know, okay? All right, but uh, Reggie gets us these t- nice T-shirts. I had to work there about 10 years before I got one, but I got a nice black cat, you know, fireworks T-shirt there, Okay. And so I get one, and of course Grant working down there too says, I want one too. And I'm sure the girls who used to work there and didn't get a t-shirt would like one too, right? Okay. So the word another means one of the exact same kinds, okay? There's the black cat t-shirt. So if, if you come and you say, okay, well, here's a, this is a t-shirt. How about this t-shirt? Is that another of the exact same kind? No, it's got different print on it. It's a different color got long sleeves to short sleeves, that doesn't fit that word, does it? That's not one of the exact same kind. Now, how about this one? Yeah. Guess what, guys? Guess who's visiting me this weekend? My grandson is here. You can meet him out front with me after the service today. Okay. Uh, this one is not of the exact same kind. Okay. Pretty obvious there. Okay. Oh, look at this one. A black cat t-shirt. But is it the exact same kind? No. Very similar, same sizes, same design, but a different color. Okay? That's not what that word means. Ah, here we go. One of the exact same kind. Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm sending another. Okay? Not another size, nothing like that. I'm sending you the exact same thing I am. Okay? The exact same essence. The exact same... Abilities, the exact same goals. 
the goals, the purposes that I came, the calling that I gave to you, it's exactly the same. The Holy Spirit is coming, and this, this, this Holy Spirit is going to be leading you to do the exact same things I was leading you to do. Nothing's changing in that sense, okay? So the Holy Spirit is coming because He too is God, and He's got the same goals I did. So that means we need to go back and think about what were Jesus' goals because things aren't changing here. The goals that I had for you, the Holy Spirit is coming with the same goals to help you accomplish those things, to help you get to the end of the journey. So what were Jesus' goals? Let's look at a verse. Luke 19.10. What does Luke 19.10 say? Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was lost. That was Jesus' goal. I came to seek and save the lost. Okay? That's one of the things he said he came to do. All right? How about Matthew 20.28? 20, also, Jesus talked about what one of his goals was. In Matthew 20.28, 20, he says... Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. He came to seek and to save the lost, and he came to serve. That was his goals. And that was his goals. That's why he called these those men out and says, I want to make you fishers of men. What he was saying was, I want you to come do it along with me. And that is to seek and to save the lost and to serve. That's what, that's what I'm training you to do. I'm going away, and I'm sending another. But the, the other is an exact same replica of me. He's coming with the exact same goals. That is to help you to carry on this mission of seeking and saving the lost and serving the world. That's what we've come to do. That's what he's coming to do. You see, Jesus came and started that process by teaching them, starting that process by giving his life so that people could be saved. He came and did that. Gave his life a ransom for many, he said there. Things don't change. The goals still continue. He came to start the process. But you see, it's hard to say that God was limited. But God was limited in Jesus, wasn't he? He was limited in the fact that it was God in a human form. And human form, when he took on human form, he took on some limitations. And that is the limitations that a physical body has. He can only be in one place at one time. And that's going to limit who he can work with, and how many he can work with at a time, right? And we all know the limitations of that, don't we? We all wish we could be in more places than at, at, than at once, right? We always say that, you know. Wish I could be two places at one time, but I can't. Okay? Jesus could not do that because of the limitations of his physical body. So he says, I've come to do my part. You know, I'm about to finish that. I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to rise again, and then I'm out of here. I'm through with that. But that's okay because the mission is going to continue on with the Holy Spirit coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to indwell in my followers. And He's going to be inside all of you and not limited to one body. I guess you might say um, the Holy Spirit does have a body. It's the church. Huh? It's us. He indwells us so that He can go out into the world and finish that goal of seeking and saving the lost of serving mankind. That's what he's here to do. That's what he came to do. That's what he has left us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has come to indwell all believers, to be our companion on this journey as we go to seek and to save the world. You know, I think the Holy Spirit a lot of, is misunderstood in a lot of ways. Right? There's, and there's a, there's a lot we could talk about the mis, uh, misinterpretation and, and the misapplications of the, of the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's a key question that you need to ask about yourselves, okay? Because it goes back to that goal. Remember the goal? Seek and save the lost, to serve the world. 
So here's the real question you've got to ask about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Does it move me from the chair into the world? You see, a lot of times we'll walk out of church and we'll say, Ooh, man, the Holy Spirit was there today. Well, what, what made you know that the Holy Spirit was there? Ooh, I just got goosebumps when we were singing that song. Okay? You know, I just, I just felt so good in there, you know. Great. But did it change you when you walked out the door, though? Did the goosebumps in and that was it and you went back home and you were exactly the same as you were before you walked in there? I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or not. I'm not going to say it wasn't, but it wasn't. I mean, I think you can go in a building, I think you could go to a, a concert where they sing nothing about Christ and they could sing a nice love song and give you some goosebumps, right? Okay? You stir your emotions. The Holy Spirit is not just about stirring people's emotions, guys. It's not about just doing flashy things in the church building. The key question is this. If the Holy Spirit's at work, then it's going to get you off the chair and into the world. Because that's the goal. The goal is, Jesus didn't say, I come to give goosebumps. I come to make people feel good. I come to, he said, no, I came to seek and to save the lost, to serve. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us to move out into the world and accomplish the goal that God set, Jesus set for us when he came in. Hmm. Does that give you a new light about what maybe the, the Holy Spirit's about and how it works in our lives? That's what he's there for, to help us accomplish that. Let's, let's take a look at the Holy Spirit now. Let's take a look at this companion that is going with us on this journey. What is he doing for us now that he's here? You know, you want somebody to go along with you that, that, that could do some things. I'm sure that when Lewis asked Clark, he thought Clark was capable of going on this trip and helping him. I know that if Meriwether Lewis knew me, he would have never asked me to go on this trip. Some of you know me. You know how what an outdoorsman I am, right? Okay? Uh, I don't like camping. I think, you know, we're going for the next 28 months on a camping trip. I would have turned that one down, you know? Uh, you know, he, he, he would not have asked me. He knew somebody that would like that, who, who had knowledge in those areas, who could help and those things kind of things. Okay? So who is this traveling companion that Jesus gives us? He knows what kind of companion we need to, to reach the goal of seeking and saving the lost, of serving the world. He knows what kind of companion we need to do that. Okay? So throughout John chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus refers to different parts about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is here to help him do. So let's take a look at the companion, the Holy Spirit. The first thing he says about him, <clears throat> he says he is a counselor, comforter, helper, Advocate, now you may not see all those words in your Bible. Um, here, here, let me give you one verse that, that says that. Um, or let me give you a few verses. Actually, there's one in each chapter here. Uh, John 14:16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And then 15:26, When the counselor comes, whom I send you to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In chapter 16, he says, But I tell you the truth, in verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he keeps saying this, in, in my version, I get counselor. Now, you may have another version where it, uh, it's translated comforter. Okay? Anybody have that kind of version? You see the word comforter there? Uh, sometimes you'll have a version where it'll say helper there. Okay? The same word is translated over in 1 John. He's called our advocate. 
Okay? And all those words are perfect uses of that Greek word that, that's written, uh, the New Testament written in Greek. It's parakletos. And that word literally means this, one called alongside to help. Okay? Is that what a counselor is, somebody who comes alongside to help you? Sure. Is that what a comforter is? Sure. Is that what a helper is? Sure. Is that what an advocate is? Yeah, all of those words fit exactly that definition. Someone who comes alongside to help you. The, the ultimate companion, right? It's, it's kind of used in the legal sense of an advocate, uh, like, like a, your attorney who stands with you before the judge, who stands alongside you and, and takes up your cause for you. Okay? I like that. I think of all of these, that's, that's my favorite term for it. Uh, because, you know, sometimes when, when you, feel, you feel a little iffy about doing something, you know, you feel a little nervous about doing something, you feel inadequate to do something, and somebody comes alongside you and says, you know, you're really good at that. You know, I, th- I think you're really going to do good at that. It pumps you up. Oh, yeah, I think I can do this. You know, I didn't, I didn't maybe not didn't have the confidence before, but someone coming alongside is taking my side and saying, yeah, yeah, you can do that. I like that. Uh, but again, the word counselor, comforter, helper, all of those words. You ever feel intimidated by life? Anything in life make you scared? You fear anything? Sure, we all do, don't we? The Holy Spirit's here to come alongside and take up our cause for us and to comfort us, encourage us, help us along the way. You know, when it comes to, to following Christ, that journey to following Christ, does that intimidate you some? Huh? Ooh, it does me. I mean, when you look at it, ministry, you know, Pastor Mike gets up here and he talks about it. Every member is a minister. We're all ministers. You need to be involved in ministry. Does it scare you a little bit? You go, whoa, not me. I'm so totally inadequate for that. No, 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 no. You by yourself, you are, yes. But as a follower of Christ, Jesus promised his disciples and all followers of Christ, I'm sending you the counselor, the comforter, the helper, the advocate, the one who will come alongside you. He won't be doing it alone at all. No, you by yourself. Nah, you can't do ministry. You can't do it by yourself. You can't make it through this life by yourself, but you can with the Holy Spirit. He's there to help you along the journey. Mary Weather Lewis would have never made it if he'd gone by himself. Okay? He needed someone along. Needed, a team came along with him. But he needed more than just himself to do that. And the Lord knows it pulls the Holy Spirit. I guess the Holy Spirit's sort of like our, our, our Clark that comes along beside us. But you know, they also had a team that went with them as well. That's probably like the church that we, we become a part of, a team to join with us and, and to help us through these times and help us accomplish ministry and the goals that God has called us to do. You know? So do you feel intimidated sometimes about just facing life and particularly facing the journey of a Christian? It's all right. That's normal. But the Holy Spirit is here to help you, to stand along beside you and to help you through that. All right? Another thing that it says about the Holy Spirit, in, in these chapters here, he's also known as the witness. He's called a witness. In chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, it says, When the Counselor comes, we know that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. And you also must testify, for you have been with Me from the beginning. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to testify about Jesus, to speak of Jesus, to lift up Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't here 
to talk about himself. The Holy Spirit's to come to lift up Jesus and to testify of him and to empower us to do the same. Notice he didn't say the Holy Spirit and he's going to do all the testifying. He says, and you must also testify. You're going to do it too. You're going to work in this together and testify of who I am. And you're going to carry that word, that word on to the world. What's the goal? To seek and to save the lost, right? How do the lost get saved? It's through the testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for them, right? So the Holy Spirit is coming to speak of what Jesus has done. As I said a while ago, Jesus had his body, the Holy Spirit has this. That, that's us. We're the body of the Holy Spirit going out into the world to seek and to save the lost, to serve. You remember the disciples when Jesus told them that they're the, about the great commission of going into the world, I want you to go into the world. But he said, before you do, though, I want you to pray. I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. See? Don't go out on your own. Wait. The Holy Spirit's coming. And when he comes, he'll empower you to do. And boy, did he empower them to, to do what the goal that they had been called to do. And we have to remember that that's our job. It's not the church's job to reform society. It's not the... the the job of the church uh, to, for political activism. A lot of churches, that's what they're about. It's not psychological self-help. It's about lifting up the name of Jesus. That's it, guys. To testify of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if we testify of Jesus, then society is going to be reformed, right? I think politics will take care of itself. I think people will get the help they need, but it's not through activism. It's through Jesus Christ that's going to happen, right? Jesus Christ changing lives. So we need to get that to that goal. We need to be witnessing about who Jesus Christ is through our lives, through our actions, and through our words with the help of the Holy Spirit. He's a witness as we are. And right along with that comes the next thing that he also, it says he's also our guide and teacher. Look at chapter 14, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He, um, he also says this in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, talking about being a guide and a teacher. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring, bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. He's your guide, your teachers, your teacher. You see, uh, Lewis and Clark needed a guide, didn't they, along the way? Okay, we all know the story of, of Lewis and Clark and the, the, the young Native American woman, Sagagawea, that they found and how that she had led them right after giving birth to a child. Okay, We had a discussion some time ago about, you know, how quickly do you get your kid out into public, you know, after a birth? Okay. She had a child and took him on a trip uh, across the Rocky Mountains and, and out to the Pacific Ocean. Right? She didn't keep him in very long, did she? Uh, uh, a tremendous uh, lady who guided them along the way and helped them in many ways to, to find, find their final trip. Well, the Holy Spirit's like that. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to teach us. And to remind us, he says, to remind us of two things. One, to remind us of what Jesus said. Okay? The Holy Spirit is going to come and remind you what Jesus said, what he taught. He's not going to come and teach you anything different. He's going to remind you what Jesus said. And he's going to clarify for you what Jesus said. Okay? 
he's going to come. You know, because the, a lot of times when Jesus taught the disciples, this was their reaction. Huh? Yeah? They had a lot of that. Huh? And he says, you know, you don't understand it all. You can't bear it all right now. You can't figure it all out. Okay. It's all right. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to remind you what I've said. And he's going to clarify. He's going to open it. And you're going to go, oh, that's what he meant. That's what he was talking about. And they did. A lot of this in the beginning, uh, what? After the Holy Spirit came, it was a lot of, oh, yeah. I wonder how many times they actually sat around and went, oh, you remember that time? And then everybody else goes, oh. Then they're doing this, right? Oh. You know, I sh- we should have known that. Now we understand. Why were they able to make sense of it all? The Holy Spirit comes to teach and to guide them and to clarify those things for them. He comes to be not only a guide and a teacher for them, He comes to be the truth for them. Okay? John sixteen thirteen, along with many other passages, refers to Him as the truth, the Spirit of truth. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He's the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth, and he's come to declare the truth to you and help you to understand that. You see, the Holy Spirit, we're told, inspired the Bible, the Word of God. So not only does he inspire it, but he comes and he guides us and he interprets it for us. Okay? And you need to understand this, because we have people sometimes that will come along. And those people will come along and they'll say, you know, I got a vision from the Lord. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said this. Always be careful, because the Holy Spirit will always say what goes along with this, right? He's never going to contradict what He's already said. So anyone that comes along and gives you something that the Spirit told them that contradicts what the Spirit already put in there, then you know that's false teaching, don't you? And you need to be aware of that. Be aware of that out there. Be aware of that right here too. Okay? Okay? Always test and know the truth. And the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. And as you open and study your Scripture, you know, that's one of the jobs that the Holy Spirit does is to help you to understand what you're reading to help you to understand, to help it to come clear to you because he's the guide, the teacher, the truth, the spirit of truth. And then in these passages, now there, we could do a whole series. Oh, I guess maybe Mike can continue this on. But a whole series about what the Holy Spirit does, okay? But we, we chose this passage today. There's one other listed in this passage of what Jesus is teaching about what the Holy Spirit does. It's found in chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. He's also the convictor. Part of his job is to convict. Now, the first jobs, the counselor, the uh, witness, the guide, the teacher, uh, the spirit of truth, that's particularly the ministry the Holy Spirit does to believers, to the followers of Christ, as he indwells their lives. But he does have one job to to the world, and that is the job of being the convictor. And... In uh, John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, it says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit's job is to come 
and to work in our hearts and to make us realize, to convict us of sin. Okay? Not, notice it's a singular sin. Okay? Uh, it, it's part of every sin, it's part of everyday life, and it's helping us to see the reality of our lives. We live lives of sin. But notice it's in the singular form, and he not only just says sin, but he goes on to say in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. He comes particularly to convict us of one sin, the sin that condemns us. What sin is that? The sin of unbelief. Okay? He's not there to say, you know, you need to be a nicer person. Because you can get convicted of that, and you feel bad about that, and you can become a nicer person. But if you still don't believe, you're still lost, aren't you? Okay? It's the sin of unbelief that separates us from God. And so the primary focus of the, of the Holy Spirit is to come and to convict us of our unbelief and bring us to Christ. He convicts of sin, he says. He convicts of righteousness. He helps us see the other side, the flip side, the holiness of God. How we're, the righteousness of Jesus, God's standards. He helps us to see that, the standards of God. help us to understand that. And he also says he convicts of, the, of judgment, of, of yeah, of judgment as well. The consequences of our choices. He helps us to see our sin. He helps us to see the righteousness of God. He helps us see the consequences of our choices if we continue to live in unbelief. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts as He begins to work in the hearts of men and women. And then when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we accept the truth of the gospel, and He comes and indwells in our lives as believers, as followers of Christ, to be our guide, to be our counselor, our helper, our comforter, our, the truth for us. You see, we're all on a journey, aren't we? We're all on a journey. If we are followers of Christ, we're on a journey for Him. We are continuing His journey of seeking and saving the lost of serving those that God has put in our paths around us. We're continuing that ministry. If you're a follower of Christ, that's, that's your goal. That should be your goal in life. That's, that's your mission that God has given to you. And He's given that mission to you along with a traveling companion to go with you to help you do that. And that traveling companion is the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in your life if you are a Christian, if you are a believer. You have Him there. Now, I know if you're like me, sometimes... You've got to look pretty hard to find him in there somewhere. Okay? Because uh, I guess Paul in, in Ephesians kind of tells us the key to all this is when he talks about being filled with the Spirit. You know, filled means more than just filled up. It means so, filled so that you're controlled by the Spirit. Now, a lot of times we can't find the Spirit working in our lives because he's such a secondary part because we have filled our lives with so many other things. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to get much work done in there. So maybe some of you this morning, maybe you just need to let the Holy Spirit fill your lives today. There's maybe some junk in your life, some things in the way that are not allowing the Holy Spirit to work and to be the comforter, the guide, the truth, the help that you need. And then there may be some today uh, who don't know Jesus Christ. For you, the Holy Spirit is your convictor. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with you. You know that you're a sinner in need of the Savior. And maybe you need to give in this morning. Confess your sins and give your life over to Him. How many of you know somebody 
who needs seeking and saving. You know somebody like that? How many of you know somebody who needs served, to be served? We all know, don't we? That's our mission. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us accomplish that. Guys, if the Holy Spirit is going to work in this service today and to work in your life, it's not going to necessarily give you warm fuzzies this morning. It's going to give you the what you need to get up off your chair today at the end of the service and go out and seek and save the lost, to go out and to serve those who need to be served. That's what he's going to do. So I just want us, as we close out here, to spend a little time letting the Holy Spirit work here. Okay? Letting the Holy Spirit do his convicting work, if that's what he needs to do. To let the Holy Spirit guide you, teach you, comfort you. What do you need from him right now? Let him work so that you can go from here and, and continue the journey and get on the journey that God has called you to do. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, I come to you this morning oh so thankful for your Holy Spirit. Lord, how overwhelming it would be to know that you called me to follow you, but given me no help to follow. Thank you for filling my life with a traveling companion, the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anything in me that is keeping the Holy Spirit from being what He needs to be, to do from doing the job He needs to do, please show that to me this morning so I can get rid of that. so I can be true in following you to the goal you called me. Lord, I pray if there's someone here in the service this morning who's uh, under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you're speaking to them, calling them to you. Lord, I pray that they would answer the call this morning, give their lives to you. Lord, I just pray that you would work today in our lives so that this message from you will go from the chair out into the world in our lives. I ask these things in your name.